So I want to talk to us for a few moments, continue our series. We started last week about get up. I spoke to us last week about Jesus speaking to the, the, the man who was lying at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years and he told him to get up and get on with his life. That is the nature of the God that we serve. Our God is a God who wants us to get up in faith, get up in our courage, get up in every area of our life so we can move on and get on with our lives. Can you say amen this morning? And I want to talk to us again today about getting up to get through the storms of life. Acts 27 verse 20, the Bible says, After many days of seeing neither the sun nor the stars, and with a violent storm continuing to rage against us, all hope of ever getting through it alive was abandoned. Let me read that to you again this morning. After many days of seeing neither the sun nor the stars, and with a violent storm continuing to rage against us, all hope of ever getting through it alive was abandoned. So Paul is writing, and he tells, he's relating the story of when he was uh, captured as a prisoner for Christ. He was on his way to Rome in order to be uh, trialed. And on this way, they encountered a literal storm, a physical storm in a boat. But perhaps you can relate with uh, Paul's situation this morning. Because the Bible says at one point in the storm that all hope of ever getting through it was all abandoned. And like I said, perhaps you can relate with Paul's story this morning. And you can, maybe you're going through a personal storm in some area of your life. Perhaps you haven't seen the sun or you haven't seen the stars and it feels like this darkness or this dark cloud of life's pressure is against you all the time. And I want to encourage your faith this morning, a word of encouragement, that it's time for you to get up in your hope so you can get through the storm, amen? Because sometimes when the clouds, as in Paul's situation, literally uh, as Paul was going through the storm, the Bible said that the, the wind and the waves and the the lightning and the thunder, they hadn't seen the, the sun, they hadn't seen the stars for a few days, a few nights. And at one point, they were about to quit. They were about to give in. They thought that all hope was going to be lost and they were about to abandon their faith. Amen. That's what I want to say to you this morning. Amen. It's time for you to get up so we can get through the storms in life. We're not going to lie down. We're not going to back off. We're not going to back down. We're going to move forward. Can you say amen this morning in Jesus' name? Bump your neighbor on your left-hand side. Tell your neighbor to get up in their hope. Tell your neighbor on your other side to get up in their faith. Come on, I want you to encourage your faith this morning. So we all face storms of various kinds in our lives. Some are literal storms that see as Paul was facing. Others are storms in our relationships. Sometimes in our marriages. Sometimes there are storms in business, in our careers. Sometimes it's mental storms. Sometimes it's health storms in our, in our health. And other times it's financial storms. All of us are going through certain storms in life. I mean, Jesus Himself, He told us that storms are part of the life of, uh, part of the journey in life. John 16 verse 33, the Bible said, I have told you all of this so that you will have peace of heart and mind. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. So we don't, we're not focused on the trials and the sorrows. We're not looking at all the problems. But Jesus told us that in this life, you will have many trials and sorrows. He said, but cheer up for I have overcome the world. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, be of good cheer. That's not always easy when you're in the midst of a storm. Paul says all hope of coming through their storm, well, they were about to abandon all hope because they hadn't seen the stars or the suns for many days. And I want to encourage you today, I mean, the Greek word for that word cheer that Jesus speaks of is the thoracio, which means to have courage. So what Jesus ultimately was saying to us, He said, be of good courage, be of good cheer. That's the word I want to put into your heart this morning. I want to encourage your faith on this long weekend that no matter what the storm is that you are facing right now, 
No matter what the battle is right now, Jesus says what? You are guaranteed to have storms, but be of good cheer. You're going to overcome that storm. Can you say amen this morning? Give Jesus a shout of praise all over this place. Come on, give Him a shout of praise all over this place this morning. You shouted louder for the Springboks yesterday. Amen. So the enemy will do everything in his power to rob you of your courage. Notice he said, be of good courage. When you're going through storms and you're going through battles, one of the things you start to lose is your confidence. You start to lose your confidence. You start to second guess yourself. You start to doubt yourself. You start to wonder if you're still in God's will. That's what the enemy tries to do when you're in the midst of a storm. He wants you to lose hope. Amen. He wants to get you to sit down. He wants to get you to lie down. He wants to get you to quit. Amen. But I want to tell you this morning that every time you want to quit, our God is adequate. Amen. We're not going to quit because our God is adequate. He's enough in every storm. Can you say amen? But that's why throughout Scripture, I want to encourage your faith today. Great men and women of God who have accomplished great things. We read all these stories of all these biblical greats. And we think their lives are just sometimes, well, it's amazing that happened to that person or that person or that person. But I'm not that person. I'm me. But every person who accomplished great things in Scripture for God in their lives, and even in the natural world today, they all have to overcome storms in their life. Amen. That's why they have to constantly be reminded to be of good courage. The Bible tells us that Joshua, who was about to enter his promised land, had to be reminded to be of good courage because of the storm that lay ahead. Notice what the Bible said in Joshua 1 verse 9. The Bible said, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage and do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Listen to that. Easy to say it. Amen. Pastor, easy to preach it from the pulpit, but you don't understand the storm that I'm in. Well, all of us are in different storms of different kinds at some place in our life. But the Bible says that Joshua had to be reminded, you're going to go into a place of promise, but there's going to be some giants that have to come down. There are some battles you have to face. And he said what? He said, be strong and of good courage. It's not a suggestion to be of good courage. It's a command. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Amen. Be courageous. You need to have a bit of a fight in you, but you have to get up to go into that fight. And he says, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. That word dismayed in Hebrew, it means to break down either by confusion and fear. So what happens in advertities when you start to enter this place, when you're in a storm and you start to lose hope in the midst of the storm, the Bible says that that Hebrew meaning, it means that you start to become confused. You start to second guess yourself. That's what starts to happen. When you start to enter the place of doubt, you start to think, should I or shouldn't I? Because you're not full of faith to step. We're now second guessing ourselves and that's where the enemy wants you and I. He wants us at a place where we second guess ourselves and we take our eyes off of the prize. We take our eyes off of Christ and His promises and we start to place our eyes on the storm. Amen. That's why fear will make your enemy bigger and your God smaller. But faith and courage will tell your small enemy about your big God. Can you say amen this morning? That's what fear will do. Fear will enlarge enlarge the size of your enemy. It'll enlarge your enemy and it'll minimize your God. That's what fear does. It grips your heart. That's why if you want to get through the storm, whatever it is you might be facing this morning, I want to encourage you. You have to be strong and of good courage. Amen. Bump your neighbor on your left hand side. Say, be strong and of good courage. 
So David reminds his son Solomon. David reminds his son Solomon. David is a great man of God. The Bible says a man after God's own heart. And the Bible says that Solomon was uh, tasked to build a great temple. You know, if you look at your Bible, you read the temple that, that, that Solomon built. The first temple they built for God was a, was a small, not an insignificant temple, but it was an, a, a sort of a conservative temple in relation to what Solomon ended up building. And David said to his son, he's about to go to be with the Lord David. He's at the end of his life and he calls his son Solomon in. And he says this to him in 1 Chronicles 28, 20. He says, and David said to his son Solomon, he said, be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Listen to what your Bible says. Every generation needed to be reminded to be strong and of good courage. You need to be reminded this morning to be strong and of good courage. I want to remind you, I'm going to say it over and over again until you get excited this morning. You have to be strong and of good courage. I don't know what you're facing. I know that God knows what you're facing, but the command that God would come to you with this morning, the command that Jesus would come to you with this morning is be strong and of good courage, amen. Neither be afraid nor be dismayed. Don't allow yourself to get to the place of confusion. Don't allow yourself to get to the place, amen, where you lose your confidence in God or your confidence. He said what? He said, and do it. So he tells his son, you're going to face many trials and tribulations in achieving what God wants you to do. If God has told you to start a business or God has told you to step out in some direction of your life, there will be opposition. It's not that God is against you. The the Bible says He will never leave you nor forsake you. So we don't question God's faithfulness in the midst of the storm. We look for God in the midst of the storm. But Jesus said, in the midst of life, you will have storms. So don't think that as a born-again Christian, sometimes we preach this gospel that there's no challenges. It's all just moonshine and roses. No, my brother, my sister. If that was the case, we said last week, what? That why did Paul go through all those challenges? Didn't he have the faith? Didn't he have the courage? No. He had to go through those storms to get on to the other side. Can you say amen? And the Bible says, and David says to his son, be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Do what? Build the temple. Build that business, build that career, build that marriage, amen. Build that dream. He says, and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, my God, will be with you. Notice what David says. He says, for the Lord God, my God. He had confidence enough to say, I've seen God's hand in my own life. That's why I'm saying to you, I'm not saying this as some theory or some theology. I've seen God come through for me. I've seen God's hand in my life, my son. Therefore, I tell you, my son, my God will do it for you. If He did it for me, He will do it for you. Can you say amen this morning? Paul the Apostle writes to the church in Philippi in great financial crisis. They're going through a season of economic turmoil. And he writes in Philippians 4, he says what? He says, and my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches. Why? He had confidence. He had had first-hand experience of when he was in a storm. He came through the storm. He saw the hand of God. And he encouraged the next generation to say, hey, my God will come through for you. Can you say amen this morning? So he said, my God will be with you. My God will be with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, my God will be with you. Listen to what he says to Solomon. He says, he will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. 
an encouragement to you this morning until you are finished. We're not called just to believe in God at the start. We're not called to believe in God in the middle. He says, until you are finished, all the work that God has set out for you to do, there is something still for you to do, sir, ma'am. There is something still much for you to do. There's still territory for you to take. There are still giants to bring down. It's not a time. I don't care how old you are. I'm only 35 right now, and I've still got a lot of things to do. Amen. I listened to Pastor Rick, who was here a few uh, weeks ago. He stands on this platform. He's 78 years old. I mean, that if I compare myself in natural age, I've still got 25, 26 years to go to get to where Pastor Rick is by God's grace if I'm still around. But sometimes we think, well, 50, 55, 60. I have to remind my staff sometimes when they, in staff meetings, when they say, oh, Pastor, I spoke to this guy. Who's he? He's, he's like an elderly guy. I said, well, I'm thinking in my head, 80. And they go, he's like 50 something. I said, your foot is 50 something old. I'm 53. You're not calling me old yet. Amen. I mean, this, it's a modern day thing that we, with a, I've, I've said to you before, if you look in scripture, there's no word retire in scripture. It's not, a, it's a westernized world. It's not, it doesn't exist in scripture. The word retire is not in the Bible. It's not a biblical term. I hear people 55, who are, I can't wait to go in early retirement. Where are you going? You're 55. I mean, in generations past, and I understand that, that uh, information, and health and all these things and knowledge, we, we gain more stuff. We understand things. People are, 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 are staying alive longer. I mean, 50 is the new 40, 40 is the new 30. I understand that you, you take a few years off because we, there's a lot more new information. I mean, my grandmother, when she was 50, she was like 80 because they just, that, was the, that was the way they, they, they just uh, groomed themselves, the way they looked after themselves. But today, you look at the modern world, you can't allow yourself to start having retirement thoughts at 55. I mean, Joshua and Caleb, he was 85 when he said, give me my mountain. I mean, he was only 40 when he entered the promised land. Took him another 40 years for him to conquer all those giants. And then when he was 85, Caleb said to Joshua, he said, now give me my mountain. He was only then willing to start to occupy and live in the place that God had him at 85. We've got some people that, well, their fashion got stuck in the 80s and they tried to retire at 55. I mean, really, give me a break. We're still young. You've still got many, many years. If you are 50, think about it. If you want to get to Pastor Rick's age, and I'm using him as an example this morning, at 78, he's still preaching strong, flying around the world, standing in his faith. I mean, still in gym all the time. Yes, the body is dying. The body is aging. The body is getting older. But his spirit is still young. His spirit is still vibrant. So we can't allow ourselves to allow our storms and our circumstances to start neutralizing and canceling the things that God has in your life. You can't allow yourself to sit down and start to go into a maintenance mindset. You can't allow yourself to, to, to tone down your business because the Bible, well, the, the economists say there's a third recession or a fourth recession. You can't allow yourself to sit down because the petrol price is volatile. You can't allow yourself to, to lie down because the, the economy or the currencies of the world are shifting and changing. You can't allow yourself to sit down or lie down because of what the news report says. No, you have to get up in your faith. You have to get up in your hope because the Bible says the promises of God in Him are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. Amen. So He says He will not leave you or forsake you. Until you have finished all the work. Bump your neighbor, say finish all the work. Bump your husband, say finish all the work. 
Bump your wife. Say, finish all the dishes. I'm sorry, sorry. I mean, I mean. Let the tumble, let the, the dishwasher do that. Amen. It's technology. Put it in the dishwasher. It's Women's Month. They get a whole month. We get nothing. I think, Pastor Brian, we must make a men's month. Or men's, men's here. Amen. It's like when women go through menopause and they put their man on pause. Amen. It's like, what is that all about? Amen. It's for the married couples. You understand that? I think they need to have some more babies. They won't go through menopause. Maybe a few light lamikis in the family. So look at your wife. If you're 55, 60, say maybe one more. Amen. The Bible says Ezra was the leader in Israel. He needed to be reminded. I want to remind you again today. I know who I'm speaking to you this morning. Because sometimes our outer facade is, everything is okay. And I understand. I mean, and I've told us before, and I, I keep returning to this because it's now the new stats and the new facts. The depression will be the biggest killer in the next 20 years, more than cancer and heart disease, depression. And I watch how the world celebrates these things. They start to make it almost courageous or sort of sympathetic towards uh, the suicidal sort of stories of people's lives. And I don't criticize people for, for doing those things. I don't, we never judge people. But it starts to become an ingrained culture amongst us that to commit suicide, it's actually a heroic thing. I don't, I'm not here to debate on that argument or the discussion. But I say it becomes apparent that when a culture starts to lose their faith or don't have faith, and ultimately it's when there's no God, there's no faith. Because we, we're living amongst a godless generation in many cases around the world. That's why the church is the hope of the world. That's why the church has to become stronger. That's why we can't back off or back down or back away. We have to become more vigilant, stronger, more courageous. We have to fill up more stadiums. We have to plant more churches. We have to occupy more territory. Can you say amen this morning? But it becomes this, it becomes this ingrained culture where if things are too hard for you, just end it. Look at your Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does the Bible say end it. The Bible says we work until the end. We finish, we run until the end. Till God decides. I don't criticize again, I say to you, and I, I, I always have compassion for those that might have lost people through the, through the tragedy of suicide. Because it's so sad when a person gets to a place of depression that they don't think there's any hope in tomorrow. That is why I say to you, speak up, speak out. We are here to help you and support you. Every man has a storm. Every woman has a battle. But it's not, it's not fair that you're going to end the plans that God has for you prematurely because of a giant, because of some challenge that you think you can't conquer. You can conquer that. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen. But you have to be strong and of good courage. And I mean, if you don't, if, if you can't be courageous if, you, if there's no fear that's attacking your life. You can't, you don't need courage if there's no fear. Because if you were totally in faith right now, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have to worry about courage because you'd be in courage. But the reason we need to be courageous is because fear is starting to grip our hearts. And I want to say to you this morning, amen. Listen what the Bible says. Ezra was a leader in Israel. At one time there was moral issues in his, in his generation. And the Bible said he had to deal with it and he was avoiding it. And eventually the word comes to Ezra in Ezra 10.4 and it says, Arise, get up, Ezra. For this matter is your responsibility. We also are with you, but be of good courage and do it. So notice Ezra is challenged. He says, get up, Ezra. You've been avoiding that challenge for too long. 
You've been procrastinating facing that Goliath for too long. You've been trying to push the blame or, or, or delay it or deny it or whatever it might be. But he said, Ezra, rise for this matter is your responsibility. There are certain things only you can take responsibility for. There are certain things we can blame the devil for. There are certain things we can blame our parents for. There are certain things we can blame the government or blame our our neighbor. We can blame people to a point. But then there are certain things that you have to take responsibility for. I mean, responsibility means responsible. Are you able to respond to the challenge that is placed in front of you? That is responsibility. I have a Goliath and I'm able to respond. I'm responsible. So we think responsibility is this is this this new disease. I don't want to take responsibility. If I don't like something, I quit. If I don't like something, I end it. If I don't like something, I walk away. No. There are certain things only you can take responsibility for. And there are many factors we can do, we can throw into that category. But what is there this morning? That is your responsibility that you know is your responsibility. But you are, de- you are avoiding it. You are procrastinating. You are denying it. You de- you, you, you're turning your head away and you say, well, tomorrow, tomorrow. But you know that thing is not sorting itself out until you take responsibility. And I want to encourage you, whatever it might be, as daunting as it might be, as fearful as it might be, as challenging as it might be, have I not commanded you, says the Lord to Joshua, only be strong and of good courage and you will overcome that storm you will come out the other side victorious businessman you will come out the other side you are not going to shut your business down you are going to enlarge your business you're going to expand your business why because you are going to be strong and of good courage come on if you believe that this morning jump to your feet one more time and give jesus a great big shout of praise all over this place this morning Be strong and of good courage. So your unwillingness or reluctance to take responsibility in areas of your life where you are facing a storm is an indication you are sitting down or lying down and you need to get up. The things you are avoiding, those areas of your life that you are avoiding, it's an indication in those areas you are sitting down. You're lying down. And this morning the Lord will come to you and say to you, get up. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. Get up from that place of despondency. Get up from that place of dejection. Get up on that place of rejection. Get up from that place, amen, of where you might have even made a mistake yourself. Get up from that place this morning. God forgives you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So it's time you forgive yourself. It's time that you stop being so hard on yourself. Yes, the enemy is going to remind you every single day of what you're not. He will tell you every single thing. He will remind you every day. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. He will accuse you day and night. He will come to you in the midnight hour. Two o'clock in the morning, he'll wake you up. And you will wake up in the midnight hour and you'll start to worry about your tomorrow. You'll start to think thoughts of whatever it might be. But he will, he will throw those fiery darts. And the Bible says we have to lift up the shield of faith. So if you're not in the Word of God and I'm going to be on a mission until you get it. Amen. If you're not a Bible reading Christian, you have to get your nose in the Bible. That is why many people have got an anchorless generation. A generation that is tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Because there's no anchor in their life. And the Bible says the Word of God is an anchor to our soul. It's when you grab hold of the promises of God. That the unbelievers will say to you, oh is that as easy as that? 
You guys just name it and frame it and claim it. And I'm not a name it, frame it and claim it person. But my Bible is very clear. All the promises of God in Him are yes and amen to the glory of God. Amen. So we're not a name it and claim it. Just if I say it, it's going to fall out the sky. But no, my Bible says what? We have the prophetic word that you do well to heed as a star, a light that shines in your heart until the morning star rises in your heart. So from a place of despondency, from a place of depression, from a place where you're sitting down or lying down, it's not just one, two, three, and you're going to be fine. The Bible says you have to start little by little, line upon line. You have to master the power, the energy to grab hold of one scripture verse, and you have to start speaking it out of your mouth. You have to start communicating the Word of God from your mouth. You have to start speaking. I believe, therefore I speak. Amen. And that's going to take courage to say that. That's going to, You have to be strong and of good courage. You're not going to feel like doing it because your flesh has been pushed down so long. Your mind is in turmoil so long. You're going to have to be strong and of good courage. Amen. You grab all. I don't know what the scripture verses you're going to grab hold of. We've been praying this last week, as Pastor mentioned last Sunday night, the prayer of Jabez. We've been praying the prayer of Jabez. Now, it's not just oh, four little declarations and everything just falls into place. No, I pray it until I start to believe it. Oh God, that you would bless me for purpose. That you would bless me. Jabez cries out to God. That you would bless me. That you would bless me. The Bible says Jacob wrestled with God. He was a schemer. He was a liar. He was a cheat. He was a thief. He was everything that he shouldn't have been. And then he got to a point in his life where he was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And the Bible says he wrestled with God. That means you get up at midnight, two o'clock, three o'clock, and you wrestle with God. I'm not going to leave you until you bless me. Jabez cries out to God. He said, oh, that you would bless me indeed in my purpose. Why am I on this planet? Why am I here? Why do I exist? Why am I born? He said, he wrestled with God until you bless me. What? Until you enlarge my territory. Give my life more significance. It's not about the, the end result, the money, the goal, the fame. But, but, but my purpose on this earth, enlarge my influence for your glory. It's time we start to pray larger prayers, amen. Enlarge my territory. Give me the ability, amen, to handle bigger things. I'm sick and tired, I'm sick and tired of just getting through having more month and money, amen. I want to be able to walk in the favor and the blessing of God. It's your biblical right. It's not a prosperity preaching message. Those people that criticize the prosperity gospel, inverted commas, they're the first people to stand in a queue when the lottery is dealt out and the, the lottery is now 50 million. If you're not into money, why do you play the lottery, sir, man? Why do you want all that money if it's not about the money? Now, the Bible says money answers all things. Did you know the, the biggest uh, challenge in marriage breakdown is financial pressure? So don't fool yourself. And be like an ostrich and put your head in the sand. If it's not about money or about numbers, then don't complain when you don't get an increase for five years. Don't complain about the petrol price going up because it's just a number. But why do we complain about other numbers? But when it comes to having to really knuckle down and start to believe God and be strong and courageous, God sends Israel into a promised land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. But guess what's in the land? There's cows and there's bees. It's not a honey pot that you get at pick and pay or at Woolworths Foods, in a jar, it's in a beehive. So you have to go and get the honey out the beehive. What happens when you get the honey out the beehive? You get a few bee stings. You have a few storms. Ever been stung by a bee? 
I've been stung by a whole lot of wasps once when I was young. About five or six wasps, they grabbed hold of me and they stung me. Not once, many times. I was a duck neck So, it's Aina. But what happens when you're going to rob a beehive? Is you're going to get a few bee stings. And we think, well, I just want the honey in the jar on the shelf. No, that's not how it works. In the land that you're going to conquer, the Bible says it's going to be barren. It's going to be uh, it's fertile, but it's not worked. You've got to work the land, tend the land. You've got to conquer that place where you're going to occupy and he says it's a place of, of, of milk. Well, we just get this, the new modern milk in a box at last. No, no, you're going to milk the cow, my brother, my sister. And that's when you milk the cow. I've been, I grew up on a farm. My grandfather had a farm. He used to take us to the neighbor's farm. He was actually a, a milk farmer. He used to supply milk to the dairies in, in Kimberley when I was young. And we would go to his farm. Before the days of this modern technology, we would shove all these machines on the udders of the cows. You had to go there with your hands. Yeah, we are these little studs, yarpies, trying to milk a few cows. You don't know how to do it. You, you pull, pull, nothing comes out until they teach you. And a few milk squirts in your eye and your head because you don't know what you're doing. But yeah, you sit for hours on a little bench and you've got to just squeeze those udders and you've got to, I'll call me milk. Yeah, milk I quit. That's how the milk gets in the, in the, in the, in the, in the bucket or in the jar. My grandfather would send us to the neighbor's farm, four o'clock in the morning. We had a little motorbike. He, 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 we had an unregistered motorbike on the farm. He put a, 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 a carrier on the back and you had to take weird turns. My siblings and I, when we go to the farm, your turn this week, every morning, 4.30, off you go on your motorbike. In the middle of the winter, they just give you a, a plastic packet for gloves. Off you go, right, for, for minus four degrees, going to go and get milk at the neighbor. But we think sometimes it just, it just you know, Uber Eats. Check a 60-60. No. That's when you've conquered the place. You now put that in place. But to conquer that place, you've got to rob the beehive, my brother, my sister. You've got to milk that cow. Amen. That's the land of milk and honey. But we think, no, when I'm going through a battle, when there's opposition, when I'm getting stung by the bee, I'm busy milking the cow and it's dropping its, its, its stuff here at the back. It doesn't smell nice. It's not pleasant. God, I thought you said this was a land of milk and honey. He said, yes, it is. But you continue until you're finished. Until you dominate that piece of dirt. Until you have enough revenue and enough clients. Until you're able to what? Establish yourself. And once you've established yourself, what do you do? You then walk in dominion. But until that point, you have to be strong and of good courage. Can you say amen this morning? Come on. I want to encourage someone's faith in this place. Amen. We serve a good God. Our God is a good God. Cape Town is a good land. Let's move to Cape Town. Yeah. What's in Cape Town? The stormers. Yes, no color global on the You better change your allegiance. You can't come live here and you're a Blue Bull supporter. You leave that jersey there at the tunnel. I had to. I'm a big Blue Bull supporter. Was. I'm now a closet Blue Bull supporter. Amen. Sat in a predicament. I tell everybody that moves to Cape Town, marry the city. It'll become a nicer place. But even Vanikapta, what did you think? What did you think? But but what did you think? But the water's colder than Durban. Well, then go to Durban. There's a trade-off in Cape Town. You get a better tan, but you don't swim a lot. That's the difference. Amen. Because Ibescus is Ibescus. Amen. But if you don't marry the city. Cape Town's a hard place. I thought, 
I saw advert of Cape Town in a mountain in a, a cable car. It looked so nice. Now I get there and the people are clicky. What did you think? You've got to break into those clicks. You've got to be a servant. Marry the city. Marry the place where you're at. Isaac, he was going through a storm. He was going to run off to the Philistines. And God says to him, stay in Jura. Stay in that place where you are battling. Stay in that place where it's uncomfortable. Stay in that place. Stay in that marriage. We're not going to just divorce now because it's hard. We're going to go to Derek and Colleen, Uncle Derek and Auntie Colleen. We're going to attend a marriage seminar. And we're going to improve our marriages. Amen. We're going to rekindle that honeymoon flame we had 20 years ago. I mean, when she came down the aisle, she looked like a 300 Coke bottle and you, you lack, your lip of lack. Now you've both put in a bit of weight. You both look like two liter Coke bottles. Why don't you go back to the gym? Your boss it no Why don't you, some of you have to pull in your stomach to get through your door. Come on. Why don't you work on your marriage? You work on your physique. Amen. Get back to the gym. I told you, this body is built for comfort, not for speed. Every time I look at a sweet, I want to eat it. I get a sutant. Me and Whispers, we like this. We're tight. Cadbury's and I, we like this. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Cadbury's. That's how that's, that, that works. Then cauliflower. Cauliflower's down there at the end. It's like, it's like the enemy. But we think it's all just going to fall into our laps. Are you getting something this morning? No. You get up. You be strong for your children. You be strong for your husband. You be strong for your wife. You don't be a dripping tap to your husband. You don't become a, a, a husband that rejects his wife. No, you are a person what? You become strong for your family. You become strong for your staff. You become strong for your community. You become strong for your country. You become strong. Why? Because God is in you. Amen. Oh yeah, this morning, in closing, Bible says that Israel was facing a season of a challenging economy. Like we all go through the economic ups and downs. I mean, the crypto boys, they were telling me a while back, that's the, the Alpha and the Omega. Now it's down on the dumps. Crypto led on the ground. Now, will it climb up? Yes, it will. But it's just natural things. I'm not anti it, but I'm saying you can't put your hope in things that are fleeting. It'll come, it'll go. New ideas will come. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. Just the way they package it that looks new. And you, if, you, if you make some good money off it, good. Just be obedient to God when you do make the money. Bring your tithes to the storehouse. Don't build up for yourself treasures that moth and rust will eat. Stay biblical. Stay Bible. Stay kingdom. Amen. So the Bible says this in Isaiah 41 verse 6. He says, everyone help his neighbor and said to his brother, be of good courage. That's what you do in a time of crisis. You don't go into self-preservation. You don't go into isolation. You start to see who can I help in times of crisis because they might be in a crisis. I'm in a crisis. This is what the Bible says. Everyone helped his neighbor and said to his brother, be of good courage. So the craftsman encouraged the goldsmith and he who smooths with a hammer inspired him who strikes the anvil saying it is ready to be soldering for the soldering. Then he fastened it with pegs that it might not totter. So listen what the Bible says. The Bible says when it came times for crisis, they didn't go into a place of self-preservation, which most people do. Don't come to Cape Town and move here. And I say this because there's a large movement of people that have come to Cape Town. And I don't, whatever the reason is, welcome to Cape Town. But don't come here and, and self-isolate. Come here to help your neighbor. Come here to be a servant. And those that have been here for many, many years, help those that have moved here. Come on, help your neighbor. When is the last time you phoned a businessman? 
When is the last time you found a family person that you know is in business and encouraged them and said, hey, how can I help you? Even if I start to pray for you, give me your goals for the year for your business. I want to stand in the gap for you. Come on. It's in times like this when we need to help our neighbors. It's times like this when we need to be a, 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 a servant-hearted person. Amen. Proverbs eleven twenty five. the Bible says the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Take your hurt, my brother, my sister, in the midst of your storm. Take your hurt and help somebody else who's hurting like you were hurting. Help them, refresh them. Encourage people, say, hey, I was in a storm like you. I was in a relationship storm. I was in a financial storm. I was in a spiritual storm. Whatever your storm is, I was in a physical storm, whatever it might be. But the Bible says if you refresh others, you yourself will become refreshed. It's when we start to become victim-minded. The enemy will want to get you there. He wants you to get you to a place where you're a victim, where you start to play the blame game. No one phones me. No one calls me. No one cares for me. No one loves me. No one thinks about me. But why don't you start thinking about somebody else? I encourage you, if you refresh others, you yourself will become refreshed. Come on, say amen this morning. And so Paul, what does he do in the midst of the storm? The Bible says in Acts 27, 21, after being without food for a long time, Paul stepped before all of them. And said, men, you should have obeyed me and avoided all this pain and suffering by not leaving Crete. So he said, I think you made a mistake. And that's the grace of God. Even if you make a mistake, God will still come through for you because we serve a God of grace and mercy. He said, now listen to me. Don't be depressed. There's that word. Because you become depressed in the midst of a storm. So he says, don't be depressed for no one will perish, only the ship. Verse 23, for God's angel visited me last night, the angel of my God and, and God, the God I passionately serve. He said, he came and stood in front of me and he said, don't be afraid, Paul. You are destined to stand trial before Caesar. So Paul was in a storm, going to a new storm and still he kept his faith. He got up in his courage and he said, because of God's favor on you, Paul, he has given you the lives of everyone who is sailing with you. Listen, you're in that company because God's favor is on you. That, that boss might be unsaved. Your staff or your colleagues might be unsaved. But God's favor is on you, Joseph. God blessed everything in part of his house because of Joseph. Sometimes your storm is not about you. Sometimes you are keeping that company in profit because God's favor is upon you. You have to stay in that place of discomfort. And you have to overcome that storm in that place. Let the salt and the light of Christ shine through you. So listen what he says in verse 25. He said, so men, he said, keep up your courage. I know that God will protect you just as he told me he would. So sometimes God will give you a word for somebody. You pick up your courage. You get up. He says, keep up your courage. Even though we're going through the storm, God said we're going to come through this thing. He had a word from God. I say it again. Get a word from God, businessman. Put your nose in your Bible. Get a word from God. Make it an anchor for your business. Put it up on your wall. When you get to work in the morning, you speak life over that word. You grab hold of that word, amen, and you speak it. Oh, that you would bless me, said Jabez, and you would enlarge my territory, that your hand would be upon everything I do and touch, that I would not cause pain or become evil to other people, that I would finish my race. Come on, jump on your feet with me all over this place this morning. Amen. Shout out with me one more time. Say, keep up your courage. Bump your neighbors. Say, keep up your courage. Bump your other neighbors, say, keep up your courage and give Jesus one more shout of praise. Come on. Faith comes by hearing. Keep up your courage. So how do we get through the storm? Stay standing. We keep walking. 
Psalm 23 verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Love the way the Passion Translation says it. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me. For you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. And I'll never be lonely for you are near. Amen. What question? My question this morning is what area of your life have you stopped walking? What area of your life are you sitting down this morning? What area of your life has the Holy Spirit been speaking to you as I've been speaking today? I'm just the messenger. But what area of your life this morning has God been challenging you to say, get up? Get up. Where's the area of responsibility you've been procrastinating? You've been avoiding? You're hoping that it's just going to sort itself out. And you know you have to take responsibility. I want us to worship for a, a minute or two. And I want you to take a moment. We're not going to be long. The service is almost done. I just sense as we stand here today, what is that area? Where do you need to call out to God and say, Lord, strengthen me. Strengthen my faith. Oh, you have little faith, says Jesus. Not criticizing. He says, if you have faith like a mustard seed. He says, if you'll just give that to God. He says he's going to take that and he'll make it grow into a mulberry bush or into a, a big tree, mustard seed tree, where the birds can come rest. The same place where you're experiencing despondency, self-doubt, dejection. That same place could become a great big tree where people will come to you for advice in the future, but you have to go through the storm. Where is the area of your life this morning? Give it to him. Where is that area where you hold him? Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's unforgiveness. I don't know what it is. But the presence of God is all over this place. And as you do that this morning, watch what God is going to do. God is going to take that mess and He's going to turn it into a message. I know it sounds cliche, but that's what we do in the presence of God. We give Him all of our burdens. Come unto me, all of you that are burdened and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Only be strong and have good courage. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message. If your life was impacted in any way and you would want to connect to any of our CRC churches worldwide, then please go visit our website at crccapetown.co.za and click on the Plan a Visit tab. Thank you for listening.